Okay, take your outlines out. Let's, uh, let's dive in. We are in part three of the study, The Gift of God, and tonight's study is about grace. Tonight we're talking about grace, and uh, we talked about thankfulness. We said that if you would choose to be thankful, if you recall what I said to you, if you choose to be thankful, it will release a power in your life that is promised by God, that God said that if we come to Him with our, our petitions, with our prayers, with thanksgiving... The power of God would come and guard our hearts and guard our minds with a, with a comprehension that is beyond our understanding, with a peace that is beyond what would come in any other way, that God, when we choose to be thankful, would come and bring a power to us. Then we moved into the study of, about the gift of God, and we, and we discovered that the gift of God is God himself. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He imparts his life to us. In the first week, we talked about being open, opening our hearts, being open to whatever it is that God has for us. With the same enthusiasm as a seven-year-old on Christmas morning, I want to open those gifts. I, wanna, I don't want to just politely open. I want to rip them to shreds and pull whatever God has right out of that box, and I want to take it, and I want to play with it, and I want to experience it, and I want to enjoy it. And God wants us to have that same kind of enthusiasm about what he has for us. There's an openness in our hearts. Lord, whatever you have for me, I want it. Please pour your life into me. And when we come to him and we open up to our hearts to him, he gives us gifts, gifts of himself. Gifts of His Holy Spirit. And those gifts are not only to bless us and to fill us with His life, but then to be employed in the service of others. The presence of God, that power of God, that power of God that comes to us when we're thankful is what's known or described as grace. Grace is the influence of God. The power of God, the presence of God, and His divine influence on our hearts, on our minds, on our lives. When God shows up, He shows up with grace. And so tonight we're going to just we're going to take a look uh, at this wonderful gift of grace. I really believe that grace should be part of our vocabulary when we talk about Christmas. Now, typically, it's, it's not. When we think about Christmas, we think about a lot of things. We think about wonderful things. We think about lights, and we think about snow, and we think about the manger, and we think about Jesus coming, and, and uh, we think about the wise men, and, and all these things. But the Bible clearly teaches that grace is part of the Christmas story. Now, it's not part of the Christmas story that you're going to find in Matthew in the story. It's not part of the Christmas story that you're going to find in Luke in the story. But it's part of the Christmas story that is revealed in the Gospel of John. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to take your Bibles and open them to the first chapter of the Gospel of John. And this, too, has, a, has an insight, has a, has a portion of the Christmas story, it's just not talking about Joseph and Mary and the baby and, and the manger and the shepherds in Bethlehem, but it is talking about Jesus coming to the earth. And look what it says here in the Word of God. John chapter 1, verse 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Let's jump down to verse 9. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. 
He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Let's go to verse 14, and this is the first uh, scripture on your outline there. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16, for of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. Can you say that with me? Grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. The Word that was in the very beginning, the Word that was God, the proclamation of God, the expression of God, the way that God created everything that there is, the eternal Word of the everlasting Father became flesh and dwelt among us and revealed the glory of God. And when He showed up, He was the light to every man. And yet not everyone received Him. In fact, he walked among those who should have most known who he was, who should have been looking for him. In fact, they claimed they were looking for him. They spent generations preparing for his arrival. And when he showed up, they didn't recognize him. They didn't receive him. But to those who did, and to those who do today, he causes to become the children of God. And his light lightens our heart. But what the Bible says is, what did Jesus come to reveal? Grace and truth. Absolute truth. Nothing that is deceptive, nothing that's a con, nothing that's manipulated. Absolute truth was revealed, expressed through who Jesus is. If you want to find out what's real, what's the truth, what's absolute, what's not going to deceive you, what's not going to fool you, what's not going to cause you to go down the wrong path and make the wrong decision, it is Jesus Christ. But the other thing that Jesus came to bring was grace. And grace upon grace. It was like grace isn't even enough. It's grace and more grace. It's like him showing up and saying, here I am. And I give you my life. I give you my power. I give you my, my, my love. I give you my kindness. I give you my understanding. And what do we do so many times when God shows up with his truth? We still go our own way. And we still make our own decision. And we still sin. We still fall short of his glory. We still do it our own way. And does he in that moment say, well, forget you. I showed up. I came right to your door. I gave you everything that I had and you rejected it. I'm going to go another way. No, grace upon grace. And that's what we're going to look at tonight, that what you got to know is that he's never going to give up on you. 
and he's never going to stop extending grace to you. And that is the power and the presence of God. And his grace comes to you again and again and again and does all kinds of wonderful things. Are you looking forward to studying this with me tonight? Okay, so let's look at this. Let's, let's, look, let's look. Even grace is part of the Christmas story told just after he was born. In fact, it was, it was showing about Jesus growing up as a young man. This is found in Luke chapter 2. This was the last tale part of that beautiful Christmas story in the, in the Gospel of Luke in the second chapter. And look, it says, The child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Jesus came to bring grace. Look what it says here in Psalms 84:11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And then it says in 2 Corinthians 9:8. And God was able. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always, having all sufficiency in everything, you may have abundance for every good deed. So here's your first fill-in. Grace abounds and supplies. Grace abounds and supplies. God will not hold back any good thing from those who walk uprightly. He gives grace. He gives glory. And he doesn't hold back anything. And it says here that he's able to make grace abound to you. Abundance of grace. Not just, well, I'll give you a little bit of grace. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, we get the idea, you know, if I have, let's say I owed somebody some money, right? Have, you, have any of you ever owed anybody any money? Yeah, okay, I won't, I won't go there. Let's just, let's just talk, talk with me. If, if I actually owed some money, and, and I, there was a time when I was supposed to re- repay it. And when it came time to repay it, I didn't have it. Amen. Yeah, that happened. Terry's amening that, okay. So and I, and I didn't have it. And, and if I went to this creditor, I would say, could you give me a little grace? And, and maybe if you well, I'll give you a little grace. You know, I'll give you two days. You know, just a little... But when we show up to God with the poverty of our soul, we say, Lord, can you give me a little grace? He says, oh, I abound in grace to you. And it looks, look at this wonderful statement. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having sufficiency in everything. Could you circle that word Sufficiency. Sometimes, and I, and, I, and I hate to rag on other ministries and that type of thing, but let me just as a pastor to you, let me clarify something. Sometimes you hear Christians teaching you that God is always wanting you to abound in money. That's not what it teaches here. <laughs> he wants you to abound in grace and have all sufficiency. Now, can anybody tell me what sufficiency is? What's a good way of saying sufficient? Sufficiency is just Enough. That's what sufficiency is. That's sufficient. That's just enough. Okay? You, (laughs) the Lord, will give abounding grace to you that you always have all sufficiency. Just what you need. Just enough in everything. Now, so much of the time, we want 
more than what we need. Can't you, Lord, give me just what I need and then a little bit more? Can I have just a little buffer there, a little extra cash, you know, a little coin in the pocket? No. All sufficiency so that you may have an abundance for every good deed. What that means is his grace will always show up. God will show up. And you'll have just what you need for what you need. And you always have a little bit more, not cash, not coinage, but you have what you need so that you can always give something of his grace, of his mercy, of his kindness, of his love, of his life. You always have an ability to reach out and minister to someone else. Because he gives you abounding grace. And even when you're feeling a little bad, you're feeling down on yourself, and you feel like, no, I, I don't, I'm not so all that. No, his grace is abounding to you. You have just what you need, and then you have even more than what you need to do a good deed, to do what's right, to do what God is doing. Does that make sense? You may not have two pennies to run together, but you have what you need to do what is right. And God will give us grace, abounding grace. I love that about him. Let's look at the next one. This even ties into this and takes it even to another level. Ephesians 4, 7 says this. But to each one of us, to who? Each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Merry Christmas. The gift of Christ is his grace to you, and grace was given to each one of us. All right? Romans 12, 5 and 6 says, So we, who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. We're one body, members of one another. We're intricately wound, intertwined. We need one another. There's a symbiotic relationship of our lives in the Spirit of God, and His grace abounds to us, but each one of us, because of the gift of God, the presence of God, God is going to express Himself uniquely through you, and uniquely through you, and uniquely through you, and we all benefit from when we take that which God puts in us from the gift of Christ, and we give it, okay? We express it, because we all have a, a unique expression of the gift of Christ. 1 Peter 4.10 says it in another way. Each one of us has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Remember last week I told you to circle the word manifold? I asked you to circle again. Manifold, manifold, many aspect, many. God's grace is like a diamond. It's like a very complex uh, organism. It's not, it's, it's not just one aspect. There's so much to God's grace. There's so much to God's power. There's so much God's presence. And we are stewards of it. And there's a manifoldness of God's grace. So when you look around the room, you're seeing a different face of God's grace. You're seeing another expression of the gift of Christ. And each one of us is another fold in the manifold the many complex expression of the gift of God, okay? And we are to be stewards of it. What's a steward? A steward is someone who has been given someone else's goods, someone else's wealth, someone else's property, and is the, to be the manager, the administrator, is to administrate and to do business in the name of someone else's property so that there would be an increase in profitability, Okay? A good steward doesn't lose the master's wealth. A good steward takes the master's wealth, invests it, and actually increases the, increases the, the value of it. 
You've been given somebody else's goods. You've been given God's goods. He's given you his stuff, his life, his resources, and we are to be good stewards of it, not to waste it on ourselves, not to bury it, but to invest it, invest it in people's lives. And when we invest God's grace, we invest God's life in other people's lives, there's a fruitfulness and there's a return on that. And God's grace is multiplied. God's glory is multiplied. God's gift is multiplied when we invest it in one another's lives. Isn't that beautiful? We're not talking about cash here. We're talking about true riches. We're talking about the life of God. One more scripture about this. Acts 20, 24 says, I do not consider, now look at this. I, I can't believe this statement that Paul made. I do not consider my life of any account, of any account as dear to myself. Do I need to say that again? I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. What kind of mindset is that? That is, that is really, think about this. He's saying, I don't, I, don't, I don't consider my life as anything to me. My life, to me, is expendable. Now, that's completely opposite of most of us, how we feel. To us, my life is the most precious, dear thing to myself. I'll do everything to preserve myself. I'll do anything to protect myself. I'll do anything to, you know, the rest of you can go hang, but I'm going to take care of me. Paul's saying the exact opposite. I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and ministry, which I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify solemnly of the gospel, which means good news, of the grace of God. He says, I'm willing to put it all on the line. I'm willing to take every risk. I'm willing to hang it out there. I'm not going to play it safe. I'm not going to protect myself. I'm not going to hide back. I'm going to go out there even where it's dangerous, even when it's risky, even when it may expend, may even cost me my life. But I'm not going to hold on to my life because my life is expendable for the sake of the testimony of the good news of the grace of Christ. Now, what kind of attitude is that? Lord, may I be like that. May I be less concerned about protecting me and may I be more concerned about those who have not received this gift of the good news. Of the, may I put it on the line. May I take the risk. May I be willing to be expendable. And he was. You, go, you read through the story of Paul and we'll probably do that sometime in the future. And we'll just take a look at the stuff that Paul went through. I mean, shipwrecks and beatings and stonings multiple times. And even when he was getting older and he was getting beat up and he was a little tired of it, he says, no, I'm going to go out there again because people are worth it. So here's your fill-in. Grace is our ministry. It is our ministry. And whenever you serve, whenever you minister, whenever you give of your life, you're giving grace. You're extending that which God has given to you, his presence, his influence, and you're giving it to someone else. You are gracing. You're extending the good news of his grace. Grace is your ministry. You say, well, I don't know what my ministry is. Grace is your ministry. You don't ever have to doubt that. Your ministry is grace. And no matter how you serve, and no matter where you show up, and no matter what you do, you're doing it in the gospel, in the power, in the gift of God's grace. Isn't that great? Let's turn our outlines over and let's look at this back page here. Acts 15, 11 says this. But we believe 
that we are saved through grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in the same way as they are also. We were saved by grace. They were saved by grace. There's no division between how people get saved. You know, different, different uh, uh, denominations of the church, different places of the world, when God shows up and they receive the light of the word of God, the gospel, we are all saved by grace, folks. Nobody earns it. Nobody deserves it more than somebody else. You know, well, this person was really bad and got saved. This person was pretty good and they got saved. It's both grace. Grace, grace, grace. Grace upon grace. It's the grace of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.8 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. What is the gift of God? The grace is the presence of God. Romans 3, 23 through 24 says, You have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Acts 20, 32 says, And now I commend to you, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Grace builds his church. Grace builds us up. And it gives us all an inheritance. Do you realize that we all get to cash in? We all get to cash in on the riches of God. Our Heavenly Father has an inheritance for all of us. And our inheritance is the life of Jesus. What did it say in John? To those who believed in him, to those who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. Let's, let's put this in worldly terms for a moment. How would you like it if your dad was Warren Buffett and you knew that all those monies was your inheritance? That'd feel pretty good. Uh, Bill Gates, right? Yeah. To the children, there's, a, there's an inheritance, okay? There's something to pass along. But I tell you, if you combine all the wealth of all the richest people in all the world and combine all the inheritances, it doesn't compare to what God has prepared for us. Having the inheritance, I get to stand and say, I'm a child of God. I get to inherit the riches of heaven, the riches of of God, the source of everything. That's my inheritance. Congratulations. Merry Christmas to you. We are, here's you can fill this in, we are saved and justified. Saved and justified by grace. He brings us out of darkness into his relationship. He takes everything that's out of alignment and makes it right. Makes it right, perfectly lined up with him. And he does that as a gift. You can't earn it. You can't work it. You can't deserve it. You can't make it happen. But you can receive it. You can receive it to as many as received him. To them, he gives the right to become the children of God. Is that good? Okay, two more things. Okay, now this one is a big chunk of scripture. But I want you to hang with me on this because there's something really, really powerful here. But first, let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans 5, 2 says this. Through whom... Through Jesus, our Lord Jesus, 
Also, we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in hope of the glory of God. You might want to circle there that, that grace in which we stand. We stand in grace. You stand basking in the power, in the presence of God. We stand in grace. A little further down in this chapter, verse 14, it says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Would you circle the words, reign in life? So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so, through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. The law came in so that transgression would increase. But where sin increased, read this out loud with me, grace abounded all the more, so that, as sin reigned in death, even so, grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can fill these fill-ins. Abounding grace reigns. Abounding grace reigns. Who reigns but royalty, authority, kingdom? It's the ultimate government. It's the ultimate power. The one who reigns is sovereign. The one who reigns is the final say. And the Bible says that when sin was ruling mankind's hearts, when rebellion against God, when disobedience was ruling man's hearts, starting from Adam, death reigned until then. But when Jesus came, he brought grace and truth, and he brought righteousness and justification, and as a gift, now grace reigns to life. We have grace and we do not we're not subjugated to sin we're not powerless in darkness we're not we're not broken in the chains of our uh, rebellion to God but because he's given us our his grace the authority the power the sovereignty the absolute rule of God comes and lives in our lives 
we are freed from death. We are freed from bondages of sin. We are freed from darkness. And God's authority rules in our lives. Life reigns within us. Grace reigns within us. Not just physical life that, you know, lives a long time, but eternal life in Jesus Christ. That means when that old sin, that old wickedness, that old deception, that old bondage, that old habit, that old stupidity comes and it comes knocking on the door of your heart and it wants to lure you back into the things that have held you captive, you can say, no, sorry, where sin has reigned, where sin has shown up, where sin was present, I've got something that is much more than that. Because where sin abound, grace much more. Grace overwhelms sin. Grace overwhelms defeat. Grace overwhelms rebellion. So if you ever feel defeated, you ever felt like, oh, I've done too much, I've, I've been too far separated from God, you got to understand, he's just going to keep on flooding over you with abounding grace, and he's going to raise you up to a place of authority, of rulership, his authority, his rulership. We're not under, he says he's made us a kingdom of priests. He's given us rulership in his, in his name. We're sons and daughters of the living God. And he's the king of kings, and he's made us to live in that level of a, a spiritual royalty. Your majesty. It's, there, there needs to be an elevation of our understanding of who Jesus has given us, what his grace is. It was completely appropriate for those magi to come and to bow before the king and offer gifts unto the king. He is our king. And he has given his life his authority, his reigning sovereign grace to live in our hearts. So lift up your head. Lift up your chin. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your heart. Lift up your attitude. You're not bound in darkness and sin. You've been given abounding grace. And when you fall short, his grace abounds all the more. And he makes us right. And he makes us justified. He makes us holy. He causes us to live in heavenly places in his presence. It's a wonderful gift, isn't it? Mm. It's a wonderful gift. One more. 2 Corinthians 4.15 says this. For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. And 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Grace is with you. It's with you. Everywhere you go, in every circumstance, in every situation, in every relationship, grace is with you. The love of Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of His Spirit, His grace is with you. Are you thankful tonight? Yes. Let me pray for you. Father, we are so thankful. 
And it's abounding more and more to more and more people. More and more people discovering who you are and receiving the free gift of salvation and justification and righteousness. That where their sin had had so much rain in their lives, your grace has so much more. Lord, may we identify with this word tonight. That the greatest gift that we can give to anyone is not wrapped in a bow, but comes from a heart that is overflowing with the presence of God, with the grace of God. And you've made us stewards, you've made us ministers of your grace. And even if we don't have anything tangible to give, Lord, we can give your grace. Because that's what people really need. They need that more than anything else. They feel so much guilt. They feel so much sorrow. They feel so much darkness. But you are the light of men. And you came to anyone who will receive it. You give them sonship. You give them rulership. You give them an inheritance. You give them justification, righteousness, salvation. You give them love. You give them your spirit. And you're with them as you're with us. So, Lord, this, this night, we open our hearts. We receive the gift. But we don't intend to just keep it for ourselves. We intend to give it away. And the amazing thing about your grace, the more we give away, the more there is. The more we gush it out, the more it increases. It abounds. It abounds. It can never run out. So, Lord, may we be generous givers, ministers of the grace that is with us, your presence, your spirit, your life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.